Good evening. Thank you for listening to this podcast, Be Happy, Healthy and Wealthy with Dr. Irene Ching. Uh, thank you for subscribing and following. Today, I'm going to be talking about estrogen dominance, which is a very, very important topic because so many ladies are going through all these symptoms and they want a solution. So listen carefully and you will find lots of solution that could help a lot of the common problems that I hear around um, in consultation rooms or even in blogs and uh, emails mentioning about this. How do I sort out all these symptoms? So let's talk about estrogen dominance. Now, estrogen dominance doesn't mean that, oh, the estrogen is super high and uh, and causing problem. So actually, what it meant is that estrogen is higher than supposed and progestogen is relatively less or deficient. So it means relatively high estrogen compared to progesterone. And the estrogen and progesterone may still be within normal range. There's no consensus to see what is the ideal ratio might be. And there is such a very wide variability between patients and across lifespan. We can't really say, but what are the symptoms driven by the physiological effects of estrogen? So like, for example, in fibrocystic breast disease, when there is estrogen predominance, it causes inflammation. And then hyperproliferation means there's a lot of growth of the connective tissue causing all these plaques, cystic, lumps being grown in the breast. Okay, And the other problem is in the endometrium, which is the womb, you've got high level of estrogen versus the low level of progesterone. And this can cause the proliferation. That means overgrowing effect of the lining of the womb, causing increased bleeding and, of course, longer term uh, womb cancer risks. Okay. And the other one is in PMS, your higher estrogen or prolonged exposure, it, it increased the swelling of the breast duct, it altered the brain chemistry, and it, it caused a lot of symptoms for some people. So what are the symptoms? So like, for example, uh, estrogen dominance are like swollen, engorged breast tenderness, water retention, irritability, headaches, visual disturbance, memory difficulties, and sweet cravings. Sounds familiar, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, the signs uh, that's associated with this condition, which is we hear it all the time. Fibrocystic breast, breast pain, heavy, painful period, frequently heavy periods, we call it. Polycystic ovarian syndrome, PMS, premenstrual syndrome, PMDD fibroids, endometriosis, increased breast or womb cancer risk. So these are the things that we need to uh, really uh, know so that we can do something about it. So what's causing the estrogen dominance in pre- or perimenopausal patients? So one is failure of ovulation due to polycystic ovaries or those less responsive follicles that comes with age. Or sometimes could be multiple ovulation or loop events. 
Or it could be stress, which I've mentioned in another episode, what we call the cortisol steel. So cortisol steel is what happens is when the body is under lots of stress, it has to produce lots of cortisol because of the stress. See, cholesterol made into pregnenolone. And pregnenolone goes through a path and becomes cortisol. So when there's a lot of diversion of the pregnenolone to cortisol, then what happens is there'll be less being uh, diverted and made into progestogen, which is why you get the cortisol steal due to stress. The other issue is could be environmental toxin built up, which is estrogenic in nature. We call it endocrine disrupting chemicals. And again, some of this endocrine means hormone disrupting chemicals from the environment or toxin. They may not show up in the lab testing. So, and the other one is increased production due to fat and via the aromatase enzyme pathway. The fat is inflammatory and it can produce more estrogen. And uh, the problem is the perimenopausal elevation of the follicular stimulating hormone, or FSH. And this causes increased estrogen production from the ovaries because of that. So what are the causes of estrogen dominance post-menopausal? One could be, it could be genetic, which I mentioned early on about increased aromatase due to obesity and inflammation due to lipose tissue or fat tissue. Or it could be the alteration of estrogen clearance of metabolism, which I mentioned in my previous uh, episodes, how estrogen has been cleared. And the other one I mentioned, stress-induced lowering of the adrenal progesterone due to uh, cortisol steel and stress. And the causes of estrogen dominance, which I've mentioned earlier, increase your BMI or obesity. Because postmenopausal obese women have 40% increases in circulating E1 and E2 versus those with normal BMI. So what happened is in the womb, breast, and fibroid tissue, your increased adiposity of fat or increased BMI increase the aromatase activities, which in turn increase the activities of E1 and E2. And of course, when you have got high BMI, your serum human binding globulins, the proteins that bind to the estrogen, it goes down. So then when the level goes down, which means whatever there's bind, okay, is, is less. So then whatever the free level, the E1 and E2 becomes higher and becomes more active. When you have higher insulin or androgens uh, and increased waist hip ratios, it also causes reduce your serum hormone binding globulins. And in that effect, you've got more active form of E1 and E2. So how can we modulate the effects? Okay, actually by decreasing the estrogen dominance, by reducing aromatization, reducing the aromatization is the key. So as you know, aromatase is an enzyme found in uh, amounts, uh, increase amount in fibroids, endometriosis, breast cancer cells, and synovial fluids and rheumatoid arthritis. And it is upregulated by prostaglandin, estradiol, and interleukin 1 beta, which is chronic inflammation. And what happens is you have these positive feedback cycles that makes more and more of it, which, for example, increase testosterone, 
increase E2, increase COX2, increase PGE2, which is prostaglandin, and also then increase aromatase, and the aromatase <laughs> increase the effect of E2 again, which then becomes a vicious cycle. So hence, inflammation can increase the activities of aromatase. It feeds then into the COX-2. And as you know, the COX-2 then stimulates more prostaglandins, which then uh, activates the aromatase, and aromatase creates more estrogen, and hence it's a vicious cycle. So insulin can do the same too. So many plants compounds aromatase inhibitors, okay? Like, so for example, your green tea. So what are the dietary sources of lignans, which are the part of aromatase inhibitors? So your cashews, your flaxseed, chickpeas, cranberry, sunflower seeds, oats, pineapples, rye, buckwheat, eggplant, lemon, sesame seed, asparagus, millet, oranges, and coffee. So... Uh, so it's also important to have what we call SERM. SERM is selective estrogen enzyme modulators, which are uh, important ingredient that can modulate the estrogen. So resveratrol from your red grapes, catechins, curcumin, which is turmeric, goji berries, EPA, which is your omega-3 fatty acids, isoflavoids, which is your soya, and other parts, hesperidin, I3C or DIN, quercetin, progestogens, sulfamates, and xenoestrogen and serms, obviously we've mentioned earlier on. So these are the selective estrogen enzyme modulators, which we know. So the other one we can help to reduce production is to decrease estrogen dominance by reducing inflammation. So when we reduce inflammation by eating better food, so eliminating the SAD uh, diet, which is the standard American diet, prescribe most appropriate anti-inflammatory diet, which is you know where we got elimination diet, detox plan, all the different mito food plan or cardiometabolic food plan, uh, which you can contact me for one of the uh, plan. Increase the phytonutrient density by eating colored fruits, vegetables, let's say three a day, five a day, seven a day, or nine a day. Uh, increase your omega-3 fatty acids and reduce the omega-6 fatty acids, the uh, zero trans fats. How does inflammation relate to estrogen? See what happens is adipose tissue, which is fat tissue, it secretes pro-inflammatory cytokines. As you know, obesity is a chronic inflammatory state. So adipose tissue has aromatase, and aromatase makes more estrogen. And PGE2, which is a pro-inflammatory cytokine, is a stimulator of aromatase. And you've got your PGE2 is produced by your COX-1 and your COX-2, and this is the mechanism for the benefit effects of the NSAIDs. Now, estrogen upregulates the COX-2 production of PGE2. So it's important to understand. So what we can do to reduce production? Weight loss, decrease the adiposity, uh, which is fat, uh, remove or reduce sources of endocrine disruptors, like food from food, personal care items, 
plasticizers, and obviously uh, women is in the highest quantile of dairy consumption, had 15 and 40% higher total and free estrogen versus the lower quantile. So those who drink a bit more dairy product will have bigger issues. Uh, reduce alcohol intake because alcohol increased estrogen level and oxidative stress and also cause epigenetic changes as well. So hence, more than three drinks a day increases the risk of BRCA CA, uh, the breast CA by 40 to 50%. And we recommend no more than one drink per day. And of course, coffee or caffeine discontinuation. Well, there is still disagreement in the literature. And we many clinicians have noted improvement in fibrocystic breast symptoms with caffeine discontinuation. But of course, literature uh, from different parts of the world obviously have some disagreement. Now, um, one of the effects which we have mentioned is decreasing the estrogen dominance by reducing the exogenous estrogen, which we have mentioned about the milk and also um, contamination, toxin or endocrine disruptors, chemicals. So I want to focus on sex hormone binding globulins. As you know, these are the transport system. And when the total estrogen is there, let's say a total of it usually means the free or the active estrogen level, plus those that is bind or bound to the serum human binding globulins that carries the, the estrogen around. So, so when somebody has got lower serum human binding globulins, then they have higher level of E1 and E2. So people who's got bigger BMI, they have lower SHBG, okay? And lower SHBG could be due to high insulin, high androgen, and high waist-hip ratio. Now, we can also uh, assess the red meat consumption. Those who have got higher uh, fresh red meat consumption also showed low SHBG, which is what we don't want. What can we do to modify the SHBG? What condition increase the SHBG level. For example, when the person is pregnant, overactive thyroid, aging, cirrhosis, hepatitis, or HIV. Okay, so what increases it if they have given anticonvulsant, vitamin D, or outside or exogenous estrogen? Okay, diet would be obviously a low fat diet and low protein vegetarian diet. What decreases the SHBG? The condition like, for example, type 2 diabetes, obesity, metabolic syndrome, underactive thyroid, nephrotic syndrome. And what are the hormones that decreases the SHBG? The insulin, the IGF-1 growth hormones, androgens, progesterone, and prolactin. So some of the medicine that decreases SHBG like EPA, DHA, whey protein, glucocorticoids, and stinging nettles. So what we could do by uh, changing the SHBG levels. So by increasing the SHBG level, we decrease the effect of estrogen. So vegetarian low-fat diet helps 
treat the underactive thyroid, treat obesity and take vitamin D. And of course, if we decrease the SHBG level, then it will increase the estrogen effect. And of course, this usually happens in testosterone therapy. And so be careful when, when somebody is given testosterone therapy and exercise because it can increase growth hormone as well. So there are different levels that we can aim for. Okay. So what are the effects of increased estrogen on the liver? Like, for example, in obesity, oral contraceptive pill, or HRT, fertility drugs, or EDC. So uh, the effect is in increase the SHBG and increase the corticosteroid binding globulins, increase the thyroid binding globulins, increase the ceruloplasmin, increase your HDL cholesterol, increase clotting factors, increase renin substrates, and increase your triglycerides. What happened with those people on oral contraceptive pills? So as you know, it increases all binding hormones, influence metabolism of all other hormones at total body burden, affects the thyroid hormone function over long term, increased risk of gallbladder issues, autoimmune diseases, cardiovascular disease, and depression. OCP also depletes several nutrients like B vitamins in particular. So hence, but again, you have to talk to the patient and obviously make them be aware and have a good discussion because if they get pregnant and they don't want the pregnancy, that's also another discussion really. And alcohol and women, as you know, it's can alcohol can cause problem. Okay. And studies have consistently found an increased risk of breast cancer associated with increased alcohol intake. So what are the causes of uh, estrogen dominance? Because uh, our body becomes more sensitive because we've got endocrine disruptors or persistent organic pollutants. Okay. And a majority of the endocrine disruptors are estrogenic mimics and can simultaneously affect other hormonal axes as well. And these, the mechanism including binding to hormone receptors, interferes with the uh, steroidogenic enzymes and interacts with the gene transcription and the gene expression. The molecule looks so similar. And hence, we have to be really, really careful. Yeah. So how do we help in uh, desensitizing or reduce or treat uh, the estrogen dominance? One of the ways is to block the receptors with weaker estrogen, like for example, estriol, okay? And then isoflavones, which is from soya, kutsu, kohosh, or lignans. Let's uh, talk about the soya caveat here. So we need to focus that it has to be non-GMO, preferably organic. The reason why um, glyphosate's use on Roundup Ready soy crops it is a major endocrine disruptor. So just be careful. And as you know, it activates the E2 receptors, uh, especially those that we call it Roundup Ready soy crops. Okay? And they... Glyphosates is probably carcinogenic, uh, declared by WHO in March 2015. And one of the other ways is you down-regulate the estrogen receptors with progesterone. Pro progesterone treatment is bioidentical topical cream 
and uh, there are different levels to it. And obviously, uh, 100 to 200 milligrams orally treatment is good for sleep. So some of the endocrine disruptors chemicals uh, have shown strong evidence can cause a lot of issues, thyroid disruption, neuroendocrine disruption, obesity, uh, metabolism problem, insulin and glucose uh, metabolism issues, fetal abnormalities, male and female reproductive problems, breast and prostate cancer, neuroendocrine system and cardiovascular and endocrine system as well. So it's Im important that uh, we understand the toxic burden. And there's uh, the working uh, group has actually uh, got uh, came up with uh, studies that prove or actually found out that women put over 150 chemicals on their face every day. So there are also uh, issues with phthalates, exposure and fertility. And phthalate exposure has been associated with longer time to conception and accelerated atresia of the follicles, poor egg and sperm quality, and increased the rates of preterm delivery and pregnancy loss. Okay. Phthalates. Okay. And we also talk about uh, xenohormesis as well, which is chemically modified food ingredients and some foreign chemicals that can influence our hormonal response. What are we talking about? So these are like your organochlorinated pesticides, like glyphosates, uh, atrazine, plastics and plasticizers, fuse, uh, PBDEs, flame retardants, dioxin, teflon, phthalates, air fresheners, cosmetics, personal care additive, and toxic metals. And now they've they've got a, a studies that show the body burdens uh, in newborn babies. And they say that the average baby has over 200 chemicals in their cord blood when they did a study. Okay, so I'm just going to stop here about this. And there's so many information there. And I, if you have any more issues or any questions, you can speak to me at info at drirenching.co.uk Thank you.